This is Aftershock with Steve Grillo, the only podcast that will hit the brown note. Well, it's time for another episode of Aftershock. It's been a crazy couple days. I have uh, been doing a lot of other shows. I just did Anthony Cumia yesterday, and I did Kevin Brennan today. And now here I am doing my show at Pro Media in the middle of Times Square, center of New York, the center of the world. I got two guests today. I had three people cancel on me, Jeffrey. I'm very upset. I'm glad you're here, but you were one of the originals. I got uh, author, comedian, and all-around talented motherfucker, Jeffrey Gorian. What's up, everybody? Back on the Aftershock <laughs> program. He was here uh. once before. He's got some great fun things to talk about. We're going to do that. And I got my... Today, sitting in, the big man himself, my Bobby... My, my, my producer, executive producer, and friend, Bobby Zoo. Thank you, Steve. This balmy New York City day. It is so fucking cold outside. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's actually warmer than it was yesterday. Yeah, I know. And it's yesterday still was freezing. sick. It yesterday was... hurt. It, it absolutely hurt. It hurt the skin on your face. It should have been illegal to be that cold. Right? I, I saw but something. But who would they arrest? I saw something about Niagara Falls being frozen over. I wouldn't be surprised. Which, which is was... like a very rare occurrence, but it does happen. Yeah, it was like eight degrees here. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So I was on Anthony Cumia yesterday um, uh, with uh, the comedian. Dave was his name. Do you remember his last name? No. Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. He's... If they are some oh, of the sidekick. sickest yeah, fucking Dave. bastards I've ever... Uh, yesterday's show on Anthony Cumia's network, if you subscribe to Compound Media and you have a chance to go check, to, uh, check out Anthony Cumia's show, uh, yesterday's show, I'm pretty sure that... I know you subscribe to it, you pay for it, and um, I think his last name was Landau, Dave Landau. Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah and um, they... Uh, you know, as much as I've, I've done Anthony Cumia twice already, and he's a really nice guy, I know some people, he pisses a lot of people off, but he's always been very good to me, and he knew that I know I'm, I'm trying to get this show off the ground. I need this show to be successful, and in order in this business to be successful, you need numbers. And I need numbers, numbers, numbers. That's my new obsession. So Anthony Cumia was uh, gracious enough to let me come on his show and talk and pr- promote my uh, Twitter page, which is uh, Steve Gorilla at Twitter, and um, uh, the Aftershock XL program, which is now on iTunes and uh, Spotify. Is that correct? What else is going on? SoundCloud and Spotify. Not okay. on iTunes yet. Okay, so we, so we will be able you will be able to get the show uh, on SoundCloud, iTunes. We're, we're going down the list. We're going global, and we're going to make this show a fucking huge success. It's either that, or I just, I'm not going to live anymore. I'm going to be done. I, so this show is going to be a success. And um, a part of the success of this show is having great guests like Jeffrey Gurian here to promote. He's got two really cool books. He's got so much going on. But like, tell me what happened. Wait, you've had a couple of interesting days, haven't you? Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, first of all, I think I was on your very first episode, if I remember well, correctly. Yeah, well, actually, it was, one, yeah. it was the very first one that we posted. I had yeah. done a couple before that didn't make it. They sort of got lost. And, uh, but, you know, yeah, you, you were the f- very first show that we, we promoted, you oh, know? that's so cool. Yeah. The last few days have been kind of crazy because, you know, one of the things I do is I, I, I cover the comedy scene. I've been doing that for 20 years, believe yeah. it or not. Well, and for, for, for those of you who don't know Jeffrey, Jeffrey, I've known Jeffrey for a good part of 25 years. Um, every cool party I've ever been to, anything that was anything to be at... Jeffrey was always there. I don't know how you get yourself into all those fucking parties. I remember one time... The same you way would, you did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bullshit in my way. Man. But I remember one time you had two beautiful black ladies with you. 
That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Renzen's style. He's uh, very stylistic. He's got the cool hair and... And just everybody in the comedy business knows. If you don't know Jeffrey Goring, you're not a comic or you're just not funny. <laughs> Ron Bennington once said that my motto is black women matter. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I think, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't care what well, color what color your skin is. If you're beautiful, you're beautiful. Exactly. Truly noble cause. Exactly. That's the thing. You can't discriminate. You have to be with everybody. That's yeah. all right. Well, so uh, the last few days have been crazy because I've been covering the scene. I was with Sebastian Maniscalco. No, that, that's huge. This guy just sold out four shows four at the Garden. Four shows at the Garden. 20,000 people a show. 80,000 people. Come out to see this guy. And as for a, co a comedian, you know, like everybody, look, he's he's extremely talented. He's really hit a stride in the in the comic world because look, there's big comedians that, but they'll they'll play the Comedy Cellar, they'll play Carolines, and that's a big deal. But the fucking Garden, holy shit! Mm -hmm. Yeah, like. A big comedy club is like 300 people. Yeah. When and you perform, and if you've ever performed before 300 people, sometimes you get a little tense. He was so calm going out before 20,000 people. He had a, a meet and greet party between his third and fourth show on Saturday night. So I got invited. It was from 9 to 10. Well, of course you did. <laughs> and just getting there was a whole other story. His people invited me personally, and he's a friend, and it was, it was great. It took me over an hour to get there from 54th Street, to go across town on Saturday night with an Uber. We had to get out of the Uber and walk the last four blocks in the rain because the traffic was so fucking intense. I don't know what was going on Saturday night. I know what? But it, it was it, horrible. You can't predict anything. I, I love this city so much like i don't think i could ever live anywhere else although i do you know i do enjoy the dichotomy of having my place upstate and live but i love living in manhattan and i just everybody's like well i, I can't stand it because i you, you could walk you could take a train you could take a bus you could take an uber you could take a taxi you could rollerblade you know there's bikes everywhere you could do so many different things it's very hard get, to take a date rollerblading yeah i know <laughs> although i, I Come you know out what, with me tonight I went on, on a, a scooter i went on a date with um punky brewster Soleil <laughs> really? Moonfry and I, we went rollerblading in Central Park and I had her back in my apartment and I couldn't fucking pull the trigger I was so bummed out well that's a whole other story yeah, yeah. so so wait so the traffic in New York City is you don't know where it starts and how it started it but was sometimes, every block and every avenue yeah. and you know the Uber drivers use Waze right yeah so we're supposed to go to West 33rd he's going down into the 20s I'm like why aren't you just turning he goes because Waze tells me every block is traffic no matter where we went and it was a fucking pouring rain. We had to get out. Literally, we had to walk. I didn't get there till about 20 to 10. And I was nervous I was going to miss the thing because they were actually waiting for me. They were that kind. You know, he's represented by Levity Entertainment Group. Okay. And those people are amazing. So we finally got there. And I thought once you get to the end pen, uh, the eight pen plaza entrance, that it's okay. The line was out into the street. That's a special entrance for employees and for media. Yeah, it was packed, and then we couldn't get through security, and we had to go to through to the fifth floor and then down to the third floor. It was a crazy thing. But when we finally got there, Sebastian was mingling with people, as if, as if like like we're doing this show. That's yeah. how relaxed he was and so humble. Well, he but took he, pictures his with comedy people. is like that though. His comedy seems it's, like he's just a regular guy that just sees the world guy, in a different way. And he hasn't, you know, he's not known for movies or television. But he's created this persona. People love him, and he's got the he's got the handle on Italian comedy. Yeah, I mean he's got that that audience. I took pictures of just the amount of people that were there. It was amazing. It's hard to picture twenty thousand people. You know, if you perform in a comedy club, you're you're glad if you can fill the club. Yeah, you know, a lot that's of clubs hold one hundred and twenty five well, people. There's this whole 
like uh, dark side of the comedy world, and it all has to do with where you're going to play. And uh, you know, I have a lot of good friends that are comics, like my friend Stacy Pressman, who stiffed me today, and Gino Bisconti, who stiffed me today. Um, they, uh, they, they, they live a very rough life. It's not easy for comics because you got to go and you got to get on the bill and then to bill something. And then like the comedy seller, like how do you like? It's impossible to get on the set in a comedy the comedy seller. Well, you have to be passed by Esty. Yeah. You know, and she has to agree. Somebody has to sponsor you first. Yeah. And then she has to agree to watch your set. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing to do, and it's very intimidating. And I have a lot of friends who've passed who say that night is crazy. And you don't even knowing... get paid a lot to do the comedy seller, right? Like, well, what, you what, get what, paid what, more than most clubs. Yeah. You know, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's more yes, than do. most clubs. No, yes, I actually do. don't. <laughs> yes, you do. I don't. <laughs> You're smiling. I... Yeah, because I'm my boy Sherrod Small, who's. Uh... Well, he was going to suggest me. It's so funny that you pick him. Yeah. He said he would sponsor me if I wanted to go there. I just haven't done it yet. Okay. I haven't done that. But I I, I shot a scene for, for Crashing with Esty. Okay. And Colin Quinn and Kevin Brennan. I think they, I, they, think they actually spoke about that. Because uh, 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 my friend Monique, who, was, uh, who does Radio Gunk, she was, uh, I guess the last show we did, and she was nice enough to invite me down to the Comedy Cellar because one of the... The shows on Sirius XM were had uh, Judd Apatow and um, Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes on the show, and they did it at the comedy cellar. They talked about that scene. Yeah, it was a very fun scene. It was it was a, a big thrill for me. We did this last July, this past July, and it was crazy. I was in the scene with uh, with Pete and Jamie Lee and Colin Quinn and Kevin Brennan, and I was sitting right across from Esty for the whole thing. Okay. And then Emo Phillips came in. Emo and, Phillips? Yeah, he was what? like a, a guest. Th a I guest. haven't seen that. Uh, never. Judy Tenuta and Emo Phillips. Like, they're two names you haven't heard in a really in, in long time. In a very time. long time, and it was so interesting to see him because I hadn't seen him in many years since Montreal's Just for Laughs Festival. But anyway, so I'm at the party with Sebastian, and he's mingling with people just moments before he's going out on stage before 20,000 people. And it was incredible. And he's such a humble guy, too. Yeah. Such I a, love hearing shit like that. A likable... You know, some people are very weird when they get to that level. He's like a regular dude, man. And it was it was just so nice to see that. And he thanked me for coming. And we took pictures. And we shot a little video. And, uh, and then, like, a night or so before, I was with Lil Rel uh, at Caroline's. He was headlining for the weekend. And he's got so much going on. And as a matter of fact, just before I came in, I just heard that Kevin Barnett passed away. He's 32 years old. Oh, my God. He was God. in Mexico. And he co-created Rel Show with Lil Rel. Okay. It just happened. They don't even know why yet. But he's well, 32 years Mexico old. Mexico is... I don't know if I'd ever go to Mexico, man. I, I just... I hear... like you know, I know it's beautiful and shit, but you hear these other things. Like, there's so many... The, the death rate there is so ridiculous. People getting murdered. A lot of things murdered. happen to people. Yeah, yeah. Who knows what happened? I mean, I'm sure he was staying in a nice place. I, you but, know. They, you know, but they people also... People are dying in the streets, Steve. In Mexico? Yes. Everywhere. They're strewn throughout. But, but it's the cartel. Like it's, And then plus, I heard they, they, they kidnap you and hold you for ransom. Yeah, you, it's a very they, rough They place. think everybody in, uh, in America is like filthy rich and someone's going to pay for your... You know, but then you get like like a place like Cancun, which is a big tourist place, and they're killing the tourists down there too. But you know, I've I've never been There's to Mexico. There's hardly any place you can go where you're safe these days. Oh, yeah, you no. have to stay home, everybody. Just stay yeah. home and talk to no yeah. one. And, and you, know, you go Just outside, and the, the weather's going to punch close. you in the face. <laughs> Absolutely. And so then, so I was with Rel, and then um, and he had some interesting opening acts. Jay Alexander, who I hadn't really been familiar with, he brings in his friends from L.A. 
and a guy named Rito Brown, who was also really good. And then a night before that, I met this fantastic, a Brazilian comedy superstar, okay. right? Who, who I hadn't seen before, but he was performing at Gotham. And again, because I cover the comedy scene, it's important that I know who's ever around. Yeah. This guy's got 12 million followers on Twitter. Jesus. And four and a half million on YouTube and two and a half million on Instagram and like millions on everything. You know, so I went to see the guy. His name is Rafi Bastos. Okay. And he's like six foot seven and he's Jewish and Brazilian, which is an unusual combination. A Brazilian Jew. I like it. Right. And he's like, he was really, really funny. So we hung out afterwards and we, I did a whole story on him. I did a separate, instead of making him part of a column, I did a whole story on him. We shot a video and he's, he's based in LA, but he performed in English, okay. which is so difficult to, you know, to do comedy, comedy is basically playing with words. You're taking words and twisting them around. You have to be a wordsmith. Yeah. To have it not be your first language and perform in that, in, uh, in that language is very, very difficult. And he managed to do it. And I compared him to Gad El-Maleh, who actually wrote a blurb on my new book, Holiday Hilarity. Yeah, well, we're going to get to that. I, I have but, some, I have some, there's some interesting stories I want to read to you, everybody. Uh, Jeff's got two books, Holiday Hilarity, A Humorous History of the Celebration. And he says, Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind. Uh, not only is he a comedian, but he's also a, a spiritual healer. So we're going to get to that in a bit. So go, go but, on with your story. Well, what I was saying about Gad... Gad is known as the Jerry Seinfeld of France. Okay. He's got millions of followers. He's so huge in Europe, he can't walk without being, like, tracked by thousands of people. But in, in America, he wasn't really known. And he worked very hard. He worked with tutors to learn how to speak English without... Oh. Without much of an accent. I am not French. And, right, exactly. <laughs> and, and he speaks four languages. Hebrew, Arabic, um, English, and French. He grew up in Morocco... Oh, yeah, that's a and cornucopia also, of different people down there. Also Jewish, and he's amazingly talented. And he so he filled Town Hall last year. That was his first time performing to a large audience in English. Okay. And I was so impressed, and it meant so much to him that he could perform in English. That was one of his life's goals. I mean, this guy travels on private planes. He's incredibly successful in Europe. But to start over again, it takes a lot of humility. Yeah. And that's what this guy, Rafi Bastos, reminded me of. There's probably funny people all over the world that we never heard of. Yeah. But to come here and to learn how to speak English so well that you could perform in English. Well, and Town Hall is not thing. small either. It's not the comedy no, cellar. A, no, no, it's a few thousand people. Yeah. A town hall. So when you, were going, when you were talking about the guy from Brazil and how many Twitter followers he has, I like somebody reached out to me on Twitter and, uh, and it has, has something to do with that. His name is uh, Enzo Mariana. I guess that's how you put it. And I don't know. I wanted to like throw this out there. Like he said that there's a really big trend down like in, Br in Brazil and all this. Like that everybody's so glued to YouTube and Twitter that like they're clamoring for anything. And he said that he can double or triple my Twitter followers if I just sat there and gave commentary on political or entertainment stuff from his country in English. Really? And that he goes, it goes. Everybody's eating up whatever Americans are thinking about their culture. Well, I sure hope it works on my stuff that I did with Rafi. Yeah, because no, I'm serious. Like, I wrote I, like, a column. I'm hoping that he's going to put it out. You know what? Actually, he tried to tweet it right away, and my website crashed. And he wrote to me. He goes, "Your site crashed because so many people tried to get in." Yeah. Because he tweeted it to 12 million people. Yeah. 
So, so I need social that. media is crazy all over the world. First yeah. of all, everybody's on their phone 24-7. Yeah. It's insane. There's an article in the paper today about a girl who died taking pictures of herself in, in a bikini on a mountain in Taiwan. Oh, yeah. Did she's she, known. Yeah, for, for hiking she, herself by she, herself. By herself. She's known for mountain climbing in a bikini, and she fell 65 feet, and they weren't able to get to her, and she died. That's it. I just, and it's happened to a lot of people taking selfies. A couple fell off a cliff taking selfies of themselves. It's insane. Selfies can kill. Yeah. yeah. People, people are so caught up in social media. I, I got to admit, I, I am. And it, it's the world right now. And it's, you got to live in it. You know, people, like, these numbers are going to just drive me crazy. I know, but everyone's <laughs> on their phone 24-7. Yeah, no, I it's am. It's crazy. I, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone else. Yeah. But you walk in the street, every, the whole world's looking down. People are banging into each other. They're almost getting into car crashes. Oh, yeah. No, but I, People I just, are texting while they're driving. Yeah, you can't stop. You cannot stop. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I, feel, I would feel weird without my phone. I got to be telling you. I, absolutely. You know, and when like, I hear somebody else's phone ding, I want to know what the message is. Yeah. It's not even my phone. Yeah, yeah. I want to know what kind of message I they just got. I remember we had one fucking phone in my house, and I was not allowed to use it. Like, if you didn't call up your friends on the phone and chat. Like, one time I, I was, like, you know, maybe, like, 11 or 12, and I had this girl. I, I, I She had a 516 number. I called her. It was Long Island. Uh -huh. And that just they just came out itemized bills from the phone. And my mother saw that 516 number on the phone and beat my fucking ass. It was, <laughs> like, it was a like a dollar like twenty-five right? phone call, and she fucking went ballistic. And... And then now, there was one phone in the house. Like, if it rang, if you were upstairs in bed, you had to run downstairs. Run downstairs to get the phone? And I, they didn't even have an extension. It. And if, God Money. forbid, God forbid someone called after, if it was 9.01. Oh, after 9. Usually after, it was 10. No. Your house it was, was after 9. nine. You called that house after 9.01. My mother would rip, unless someone died or was in a car accident, my mother would rip you a fucking new asshole. She was it's a very not, strict. It's after 9 o'clock. Who the hell is calling my house? Swear to God. That's why you turned out to be such a wild man. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah, grew no, up with such yeah. restrictions. Yeah, you are. You, that is 100% correct, Dave, because I wasn't allowed to have earrings. I wasn't allowed to grow my hair long. Or to so, have tattoos. Oh, you forget about it. So <laughs> my mother was so strict. Like, even when I was like, I, I was still living at home, I was like 18 or 19. And I said, fuck it. I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm going to go get my ear pierced. And I came home and she's like, she saw it for half a second. She goes, what's that fucking thing in your ear? I go, I'm 18. She goes, you're living in my house. You don't do it any. When you leave this house, you can do whatever the fuck you want. But while you're living under my roof, take that fucking thing out of your ear. And there's no cursing on your show either, is no, there? No, no. <laughs> this is the way I grew up. So, uh, and I remember I like literally took it out and I threw it at her. Really? And um, and then so years later, I said, when I first got my, my first apartment, my friend was a uh, uh, piercer. And she came over, and I got like six earrings, <laughs> and then I got That's all my hilarious. tattoos. Yeah, I was uh, I was at a family function, and I was standing behind my mother and one of her cousins. You know, one of our my, her first cousin, my second cousin, goes Kathleen. I can't believe your your son has all these tattoos. She goes, Stephen, what made you get all these tattoos? And I went like I put my arm in front of my mother, and I went, This is a tribute to her. <laughs> and she punched me in the balls. <laughs> Drop me right there on the floor, right in the middle of the bar. Seriously? Yeah, I swear to God. That's hilarious. Yeah. Your mother sounds like a real trip. Oh, yeah. So, I, it's it's I, amazing. It's, it's like the girls who went to Catholic school. They became the best partiers. All oh, the yeah. girls had that had to wear the long plaid skirts. Yeah. During lunchtime, they'd roll up their skirts to make them really short so the nuns wouldn't see. They would do it during lunch, and then when they had to go back to school, they'd roll
roll them back down oh, again. Oh, yeah. Oh, Those yeah. girls I, were the best I went partiers. To, I went to 12 years of Catholic school. Yeah, I so know. you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, they all, they had, their, so they all had their change of clothes and stuff like that. They were know? so when, repressed. When Sister Margaret was in the room, it was one thing. And then said she left and they took everything out again. So Amazing. Bobby, Amazing. do you have any tattoos? No. Why not? I don't think I believe in anything enough to mark myself with a tattoo. But what if, what if you like like appreciate an artist? Like my tattoo artist. Don't bend my book. <laughs> what, what's that? You're nervously oh, bending I'm the sorry, covers sorry. of my book. That's all right. Um, so, uh, so you never like if you found an artist like my I like my tattoo artist's artwork needles like he's he's like I think he's his artwork is like like amazing. You so if you found someone like you did you appreciate that artwork you wouldn't want it on your body. There's no one or one thing on earth that impresses me enough to mark myself permanently like that. So gotcha. I feel the same way. If I was gonna have a, a tattoo, it would probably say "Born to be nervous." Yeah, that, that, like some guys have "Born to yeah. be wild." Yeah. Mine would perfectly "Born to be nervous" would be perfect for me. Yeah, oh, I'm 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 a constant bundle of nerves. I have a uh, my friend uh, Mike Starr. He's uh, my hands are always moving. I think and I know Mike Starr. Mike Starr. Yeah, he's an actor. He's an been actor. in everything. Big yeah. dude, right? Big dude. Yeah, yeah my, I know Mike. Mike's, yeah. Mike's a very, very, it's very a dear, dude. dear friend of mine. We're gonna have him on the show at some point. I was waiting for. I want to debut Mike on when we get the cameras up and rolling. We'll, we have four cameras that we're gonna have. That's what I was wondering. Yeah, today. I was gonna ask you if you're gonna do video. No, we are. We're they're, they're waiting. They're, they're getting a desk. The desk should be coming in a week or two. Cool. Um, they got they got new microphones. So when you talk to Mike, we're not. There's no viewed viewed. Uh, so we don't have to use that can and string anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, there won't be an obscured view. Um, so yeah, uh, AfterShock XL is going to be uh, streaming. You know, uh, not live, but you're going to be able to watch it. So and it's going to be easier for like our sponsors like Versteiner Beer and the DCL firm and uh, F Sharp uh, Accountants, all my cool sponsors that are. Uh, believing in me and this show, um, they'll be able to uh, put up numbers, and we'll be able to visually show all the different cool things that are going on. And uh, I'm hoping to get Brightshot, my uh, other company, uh, involved in as far as advertising and everything. So um, this little show is actually starting to take off, and I'm very excited about everything. It just seems like uh, I'm just a bundle of words lately. Well, you're putting in a lot of hard work, man, and that's what yeah. it takes. You're working very, very hard, and that's. You know, you have to persevere with these things. There's so much competition. Every comedian in the world has a podcast. Yeah. So to be able to stand out takes a lot of effort, and you're doing that. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, Thank you. But great. I'm trying. I'm that. I, I have to make this happen, and I'm going to do it. I'm determined. There's no other way out for me right now. I I enjoy. I I think it's a part. You know, it's time in my life where I can just. Why can't I make money doing something I love? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I, and uh, this is this is a lot of fun for me, and I can't. I, why can't I make money doing something I love? There's why no do answer I have to, to that question. There's yeah, and because other people do it. Have you gotten those offers like people tell you that you can make a lot of money on YouTube and doing yeah. this stuff? And I'm I'm always reluctant. You know, I want to try some of them. But they're like two thousand dollars to take this class or whatever, and you know it's like I feel like it. I feel like if it doesn't work, I'm gonna feel really stupid. Yeah, I just wasted you know? some money. The, I I get them every single day about people making millions of dollars. Well, people who didn't go to college are making a fortune of money, uh, doing ads, Twitch, on creating a YouTube channel. They gave me my own channel on Twitch. It's very very difficult to get anything going. They wanted to do comedy because it's mostly gaming. Yeah, you know, and there are people on there making fortunes of money. They they told me there's a garbage man that people follow on his route, and he films his route every day, and he has thousands and thousands of followers. 
but you have to be on it all the time. Yeah, you got to like, you got to keep your camera every, going for hours yeah. at a time. Well, there's that channel Twitch, like you were just talking about. There's kids that that make millions just sitting there playing video games all day. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. They play what is that? A night. Battle Royale or something? I don't, like? I don't even know. I'm so far removed from the video game world. Like, I'm, yeah. I don't, like, the last thing, like, I, I, I got a PlayStation 1. I, I played, like, what? It was a Grand Theft Auto. I finished that one game, and I was just like, eh. You know, but you sp I spent, like, you know, like, like, hours upon hours to finish the game, and it was just like, what was I doing, you know? Well, most of these kids on Twitch, they're really running 10 to 12 hours at a time. They just keep their camera going. It follows them around. Who has the time for that? And if you're have, an adult, they have specific competitions for each game. Yeah, yeah, that are and underwritten it's... by the actual gaming companies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is not your genre, Steve. No, it's not. I, I'm not a gamer, um, but I, I do, uh, I do see the potential of having. I, I, why can't someone? You know, I, I, I got to be out there. I got to be out there more, and uh, we're gonna make that happen. So uh, now, Jeff's book. Uh, holiday hilarity. Well, yeah, a humorous history of celebration. Let me so tell no, you why I wrote this book, first of all. Sure, okay. Holiday time is a hard time for a lot of people. You know, for some people, they look forward to the holidays, but to other, other people, it brings up sadness and bad memories, and crazy shit happens to people all year round. But very often, the holidays feel like a lot of pressure, that you have to entertain people, you have to get in touch with family members. Some of them you may not be getting along with at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an awkward situation for a lot of people. So I wanted to put out a book that would help people get through the holidays. And so I wrote, I started, like, when you write a project, like a book, it, it starts to take on a life of its own. I started out just trying to make fun of the holidays, of like just a humorous look at each holiday, but I wound up researching each holiday, and a lot of them had very, very strange histories of how the holidays got started. Can I borrow my notes? Well, I, hold on, I, I want to yeah, read it. So, you, like, you want to read so uh, the one that stands out to me, which I can't stand it even being a holiday, and it, it angers me, is Valentine's Day. Yeah, because like I, you know, I thought that was like started by like Hallmark and you know Dwayne Reed. You know what I'm a saying? Of, well, because that's what happened with Father's Day. A, a lot of holidays got crazy with commercialization. Yeah, and like there was a, a woman who started Mother's Day, but I can't remember because you have my notes. Okay, <laughs> but <laughs> Valentine's Day, I believe, was started by by two priests named Valentine. Yeah, it says named who were martyred for two priests, Valentine, both martyred as Christians, tried to convince Roman Emperor Claudius to convert to Christianity from paganism. One of them cured a girl's blindness to show the power of Jesus. Emperor killed him anyway. Hard to impress. <laughs> See, I never had a host take my notes before. <laughs> usually, usually the well, guest well, if you gets wrote a chance. It, you think you know it. No, well, there's too many things to remember. It's just, it's, it's just crazy. But Valentine's Day, yeah, exactly. The guy was hard to. You cure somebody of blindness, and the guy's not convinced. Listen, that you have uh, powers. Did you, did you think he cured? When's the last time anybody got cured from blindness? Just I like by love, because of Jesus. Masturbation. A lot oh, of yeah. these. <laughs> a lot of these stories. What I like is the story of New Year's Eve, four thousand years ago in ancient Babylon. There's this. Well. Every year, they would vote on whether the king could be in power for another year. And they had to try and humiliate the king in order to see whether he could stay in power. So the high priest would have the king kneel down, and he would grab him by his ears. And listen, this is true. And drag him <laughs> along the floor, and then he'd slap him in the face as hard as he could, trying to draw tears from the king. And if the king cried, then it would show that he was humble, and they would allow him to stay king for another year. 
I would, you I would, when you say grabbing by the ears, I was thinking something completely different. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure you were, but to me, that's that's crazy. And and then the whole dropping the ball thing, you know, yeah. they dropped the ball in Times Square. Only a couple of blocks from here, Pro Media. When it first started in 1907, they used to do it down at the Trinity Church, way down on Broadway. That's like oh, over sure. 100 and something years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, I it's love a that very, church. Very old yeah. church, and they used to shoot fireworks off. But they had no way to protect the public, and the fireworks fell down and burned people who were watching. Okay. So they had to stop that. So they moved it to the New York Times building uptown, and they asked the chief engineer to come up with a way to honor the evening without using fireworks. And there was an old-time sailors thing that they would do. They would drop a ball, something about uh, to adjust their chronometers while they were at sea. And he came up with this thing, and he created this ball. And that ball weighs 11,875 pounds, Jesus. which makes it very hard for a man to carry with him. Yeah. It's almost impossible well, I would think for one so. man to carry yeah. a 12,000-pound ball. But it's covered in Waterford crystal. It's still that it's still that heavy, huh? And and it's lowered seventy feet in exactly sixty seconds. Have you ever been in Times Square? I on stayed New Year's a, Eve? I stayed a fuck away from Times Square. New Year's Eve. I was to there me. once doing a show. You're a prisoner, basically. Yeah, if you well, get now, there. now, now more so than ever. Ever since all this terrorist shit and nine eleven mm-hmm. and all this crap, they don't let you leave. You got to stay there for four hours, no peeing. Four nothing. hours. Some people get there in the morning to for get a spot. They're there for twelve hours. For what reason? I used to, I run. How sick do you have to be to stand in the cold, yeah. freezing? It was raining. Wearing, wearing diapers. Yeah, it was raining yeah. this year, and people stood there, and you're not allowed to have umbrellas. And no umbrellas, and no booze. People. They catch you with booze. You're screwed. You can't even have like a drink in there. So you have to be willing to stand and just be soaked I for think 12 hours. I think Who's that sick? I, obviously a lot of people because they I go. <laughs> it was cra- at, it's not that there wasn't lack of people there this year. I know, was- they must be out of towners who have never had anything exciting happen. And this to yeah. them is so exciting that they could stand in the rain for 12 hours. Can you imagine no, inconveniencing no yourself I, that I, way? I, if I'm not bartending on New Year's Eve, I get the fuck out of Dodge. Like this year, I went up to my friend's house. She's got four wonderful, beautiful little girls. We played Operation. We played Star Wars Monopoly. You know, we played games and stuff. We're just like, I just didn't want to be around anybody on New Year's Eve. It's like amateur night. It's stupid. It's just crazy. So I want to get back to these holidays. In Czechoslovakia, well, I, I don't think they call it that anymore. The Czech Republic? Yeah. Wait till you hear how they celebrate Easter. Your listeners are going to like this. Men make whips out of pussy willow branches, uh-huh. and they go from house to house, and they whip the women and the girls. What? <laughs> and they don't do fuck it. With, still they do it? They do that still. In Czechoslovakia. How yeah. has that got to do with the death of Jesus? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's the same as uh, as Easter. What do eggs and rabbits have to do with uh, yeah. the resurrection? Pussy I found out though. Women. Yeah, but but, but I found out what the connection is. You know what? Eggs Those women rab- are yeah. fucking pussy whipped. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's actually funny. The women are pussy whipped in yeah. their country, but it's uh, it's because eggs and rabbits are a symbol of fertility and rebirth. Okay. And it had to do with the supposed rebirth of Jesus coming back. Okay. Being resurrected. That's something I didn't know. They used to exchange eggs and rabbits were were, were a sign of, uh, as I said, a sign of fertility. Um... I, I know my... Christmas has got a bunch of different things. It's a pagan thing. Yeah, I, I, I saw that because it's a Treat... show Adam, Adam ruins everything, and he did a whole thing on that. 
Tree worship. Yeah, tree worship was very big in the Scandinavian countries to scare away the devil. People were always trying to scare away the devil. I guess it worked. Nobody's seen a devil <laughs> yeah, I know, in a very exactly. long time. We no were, one's we, run into we were a talking, devil. We were talking about that on Kumia yesterday, like all these horrible people. Like, oh, man, there was like some pedophile in... Uh, in England, he had like he was like the Mister Rogers in England, and he literally raped over five hundred children. And sometimes he'd go to the hospital because he was so popular, and all the dying kids, he'd rape dying children. He'd go it to was, the morgue. He'd go Actually, to the morgue. You talk about the devil. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, that's like beyond evil. We were like, like they were saying, like like when the gates of hell open up. They're gonna be like, Shh, dude, you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> fucked up down here, but you're fucked up. <laughs> that is the sickest. Yeah. That is absolutely the sickest. And he sickest was like, Mr. And, and apparently the BBC knew about it and they didn't say anything until after he died. That's so horrible. Like, I think that's one of the worst things you can do is sexually abuse a child. Absolutely. And he got away with it for like years. And it's sort of like everybody, Mr. Rogers, usually, you know, I don't, I don't know what they forget. I forget the guy's name, but, you know, People like the kids see them. They get starstruck. You're my hero. I grew up with you. Yeah, come come in my dressing room. There's you know? no one lower than that. And when no. those guys go to prison, the other prisoners want to kill them. Oh yeah, I know they should. They should actually. There's, you know? n- there's no torture severe enough for something like that. I was lucky enough. I never had any priest or anything or anybody make any odd sexual advances on me as a child. I'm not good on that. But I remember there was this priest in the in the in the. Uh, in our uh, our little diocese, and he was cool. He was Father Vinny. Hey, he hung out. He, yeah. he, he when we were playing outside. He come and hang out with us. I thought that was great. Then all of a sudden, one day, Father Vinny was just gone. And I said, "Mom, what happened to Father Vinny?" She was, "I don't want to talk about Father Vinny anymore." You know. So obviously, you know, Something the, the church just happen. passed him on to parish to parish. Well, you know, it's a weird thing. Look, uh, you know, not. Nothing about religion. It's a weird thing to ask people to remain celibate for their whole lives. And from what I understand, there's nothing in the Bible that says that you have to be celibate. Th- there, That's a rule there, of the church made that rule. There is a reason for that. It goes back to like medieval, uh, like sometime around, you know, like when uh, they, they, they weren't always celibate. Like the, the Pope used to have like women and the, the Popes were married and shit. Well, it's too much to ask of people to go through so. your life alone. Well, that, what does that have to do with anything? Especially now these days. You can watch Pornhub anywhere. It's because it's making sex a sin. I'm watching Pornhub right now. But you know, (laughs) no, because they made sex a sin, and women have been carrying the burden of that for thousands of years. Many years ago, I did an article for Penthouse on sexuality and spirituality and the possibility of finding God through sex. And it's the reason why people all over the world, when they come, they say, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Because they know, in every country, because they know they're experiencing something spiritual, some unusual thing and so if you could find god through another way of going to church that would be competition for the church so the church made sex a sin and it made it something nasty and people have been responding to that for years and women have been carrying the guilt of sexuality for two thousand years and it's wrong it's just it's just wrong and there's no reason for it and yeah i don't I, I, sex is great it's why it's why you know uh, Wait, what, what are the Corinne green, what, Fisher what, what, and Christina Hutchinson, you know their podcast Guys We Fucked. It's why it blew up and it, it's so huge. They sold out the Soho Theater in London. They sell out uh, the comedy store in I'll LA. I'll be on that show. Yeah, wait, I wait, mean, what do they say in Greek when you have an orgasm? Pussy willow. Pussy willow. No, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Pussy Willow. <laughs> oh my God is the thing, you know, that people, people understand that it's a very special thing. And that's where the healing comes from. And then that's your other book, Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind, a yeah. spiritual and humorous approach to achieving happiness. That book is really important to me. This is the first book that I did that's really from me. My other books, you know, it's my sixth book, and I never expected Wait, to have can, any books. Wait, where can people get your books? On Amazon. Okay, so you uh, go to Amazon and, and, and Jeffrey Gurian. Jeffrey Gurian, G-U-R-I-A-N. And if you look up Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind, the audio book just came out a month ago, less than a month ago. Cool. And, I, and I'm really excited about it for several reasons, but... What the book is about is very important. All of us are holding pains from our childhood. Every single one of us. Nobody had a perfect childhood. And every time in your life that someone has ever lied to you or broke a promise to you or hurt your feelings in some way, if you were dating somebody and you broke up, you're holding that pain inside of you in your heart chakra. And I call them heart wounds. And in order for us to achieve happiness, we have to release those heart wounds. And it has to do with our thoughts. You know, many of us, uh, probably everybody, are holding thoughts that are not valid for us. There are thoughts that were very often given to you by people who didn't have your best interests at heart. If you were ever bullied as a child, you know, and many of us were, you tend to believe, even though you don't want to believe, some part of you believes what these people were saying about you. Yeah, sure. Um, and you keep that with you. No, it's like no one really knows what they look like. We all think we have an image of ourselves, but if you want to know what you look like, you got to ask a little kid to describe Oh, you. yeah, no thanks. Because <laughs> they'll tell you the fucking truth. That's and then, why. <laughs> yeah, you want to kill yourself. Yeah. But, but um, so what this book is about, uh, I based it on my own work. I was a very severe stutterer. Yeah. And I stuttered so badly that I couldn't even say my name. Well into my 20s and beyond, I was nervous to speak. And when I was a kid, my parents sent me to speech therapy, but no one was able to help me. When I was in college, I made myself run for the president of the freshman class of my college because I was so-called, I was pretty popular in high school, but I didn't really believe it. I was much younger than the other kids. I had skipped two years of school, and I never really felt like I belonged. And so when I, when I went to college, I made myself run for the president of the school. It was a big school. There were seven high schools that fed in, and I only knew kids from my high school, and I couldn't say my name. So I had to have friends of mine act as my campaign managers, okay. and they would introduce me to kids I didn't know and ask them to vote for me. And I told myself if I could win the election, I wouldn't have to stutter anymore because it would show me that people liked me. I, had, I, I think I had some idea that it had to do with how I felt about myself. I didn't have... Uh, I, I, what I must have done was taken an inferiority complex and turned it into a superiority complex. Okay. Not to feel better than other people, but just to feel even. So I win the election, man. I'm the president of the freshman class of Hunter College, and I still stuttered, and it was a great lesson for me because it taught me that outside validation doesn't work. It doesn't matter how many people tell you that you're talented and wonderful and fantastic. It matters what you think of yourself. So I worked on myself for several years, and I took my mind apart, basically, to examine my thoughts and find out what thoughts I was holding that were not valid for me. And I was determined that I was not going to go through my whole life as a stutterer. And I, I was able to let it go. As you see, I'm on TV, I do radio, no, I, I perform, a, I'm on stage. Not a stutterer in the world stutter. right now. And I knew that I wanted to be a doctor also. I was a cosmetic dentist for a long time, and I was a professor at NYU in oral medicine and oral facial pain. You got and, some pedigree, my friend. But I didn't stutter, and that was the key that 
I had to build up my confidence to the point that I could accomplish these things. And so it's not just about stuttering. It's about overcoming obstacles in your life. That's why I think what you're doing is so cool, because if you really put your mind to something, there's nothing that could stand in your way. You do the best... You do the best that you can. You work really hard, and you can't let anything stop you. You have to be obsessed with achieving your goals, and that's what I was. I told myself I'm not going to go through my entire life with a disability that's not real because I realized one day I didn't stutter when I was alone. I could go into a room by myself, and I could say every word perfectly, but if I tried to talk to you, I couldn't get anything out. What did you think of the King's speech? I, I, you know what? I did a lot of press about that. A lot of people contacted me for that. It was a, it was a great story. It won awards. You know, um, what was the, who is the guy who started Jeffrey? Um, I'll tell you in a second. Uh, Keep uh, going. I got that. It, 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 it was Jeffrey Rush, was it? it was yeah, a, Jeffrey Rush, and it was, uh, it was a fantastic movie. And then, and it actually made me nervous. To this day, I haven't stuttered in so many Colin years. Colin Firth and Co Colin Firth. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, Helena Bottom Carter. That's pretty much but it. But it was Colin Firth who was the stutterer. Yes. Yeah, and he did a great job. And it was it was very hard for me to watch. As a stutterer, Even I still consider myself a stutterer even though I don't stutter anymore. I still get the triggers. I get, I, I get tripped up every once in a while. So does everybody, but they don't consider themselves a stutterer. People stumble over words. It's when you're, it's when you're labeled with something. As a child, if you do something and nobody calls attention to it, you'll, it'll probably just go away. But as soon as somebody tells you that you have something wrong with you, like when I was in elementary school, they put me in a special class of stutterers for therapy, and it made me worse because it, can, it told me that I had a problem, that there was something wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. A man with a limp limps in every room of his house. He can't go into a room and close the door and walk perfectly. It's a true disability. Yeah. But if I could go into a room by myself and speak perfectly, then it means there's really nothing wrong with me. Theoretically, I should be able to speak well all the time. And I used thoughts like that to reprogram my mind, which is what you have to do if you want to be successful. Yeah. You have to use affirmations. Are you familiar with affirmations? Well, yeah. so they used to do that skit on Saturday Night Live. Uh, the, the, oh, that, that, yeah. I know who you mean, yeah. who became a senator, that guy. Uh, oh, a good friend of mine has this daughter. She's such a wonderful, sweet little girl, and she's so talented. Um, the first time I met her, she was probably like four or five years old, maybe even younger. And I said... Uh, Hi, my name is Steve, and she just looked at me and she goes, "I'm Batman." <laughs> like it was, I was like, right after that, like she became my little buddy. I'd like I'd go over and um, watch movies. We'd all watch movies together and stuff. We go to dinner. So she's so outgoing and so positive that she um, started this thing called Kids News. Okay, because her, her mom's really smart and stuff. So like she encouraged her, and she has this thing, Kids News, where she goes around with like you know a little camera and she interviews people and she does a little news segment and they go. She goes does uh, like re like reviews on plays and movies and she's got this boisterous, wonderful personality, and um, she has uh, her own show. I think she has a YouTube channel, Kids News, How and old everything. Is she? I think now she's probably like nine or ten. Wow, that's pretty and, amazing. And um, I sent all her stuff over to Tim a, a while ago, and uh, it looks like Wonderama might be picking her up. That's that's how. Oh, that's well, look, if Tim Sabian is on your team, yes. you, you got a good team. That's yeah. why I'm having lunch with him next week. He's the greatest guy. Yeah, he's the he's one. Really, he helped. Do you think that he was listening in? Are we live? By no, the way? we're not live. Oh, we're not no, live. No, oh, but so nobody's just a coincidence. Yeah, just a coincidence. That's amazing. I'm having lunch with him next week. That's it's a small world. We just world, confirmed man. it this morning. I that's wish I had funny. told him that I was. Yeah. Out. Um. So. Uh, 
Yeah, Tim, if people don't know, listening, Tim Sabian was the executive producer for the Howard Stern Show for many, many, many years. He built it into a $100 million channel. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, well, you know, they, there was a lot of things factoring in there, but he was he was, he was was at the helm uh, behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And a very controversial thing with him was, um, I guess someone shit in the bathroom. It was called Shitgate or something. It was a big controversy on Howard for a while. Uh, and then Tim finally admitted that it was him who shit up the bathroom. <laughs> Isn't that uh, where you're supposed to go to the bathroom? No, but it wasn't in the toilet. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he left a mess. I don't know what happened. I guess he was drinking too many green juices or something. So, uh, but uh, anyway, I, that's, unfortunately, that's his legacy. <laughs> Scandalous. Scandalous. So, um, no, that's, uh, that's good. I hope that, um, she, uh. She gets that. That would be great. That's very too. exciting. Well, Tim yeah. is a powerhouse. Yeah. So, um, what was I going to say? So, I, there was another controversy going on now about that girl that, you know, because there was that second Ghostbusters. They redid Ghostbusters with an all female cast. All female cast. Which yeah. was, there's nothing wrong with that. But the movie fucking sucked. I didn't see it. It was no, hard. It was, it's unwatchable, Jeff. Really? Unwatchable. And. Now that they're trying to re- get the original cast to come back and do a, a third, the, the third installment of the Ghostbusters, and uh, the, that girl from Saturday Night Live, I think Leslie Leslie Jones, yeah, I was she, just she, with she, her last week. She, she's, she's throwing a Twitter fit right now because she thinks it's wrong that because it was a girl, and she, she's making it a Trump girl thing. You know, like, yeah, you, so it's got to be all men, and this is the world we live in because of Trump. And as a comedian and everything like that, well, how do you take that? I know you probably know her personally, but... Yeah, I was just hanging out with her about a week or so ago. She's been performing at the comic strip and loving doing stand-up because she doesn't have much of a chance. Saturday Night Live takes up so much of her time. Sure. So she found this new home at the comic strip, and she's there, and she loves it. Uh, I don't do anything about politics. I don't talk about it in my act. I, there's a reason why when you go to vote that you're private in a booth. Yeah. No one's supposed to ask you who you voted for. It's not. A, it's nobody's business. It's a private thing. Again, that's why they keep you separated so the people next to you don't see who you're voting for. Yeah. So I don't bring it into my comedy. I talk about whatever I think is funny. Yeah. No, but she's, uh, she's, she's getting a lot of backlash because... It's just such a wor- weird world we live in these days because, like, uh, Trump's really kind of like really put things out there, and nobody likes it. It's it's Look, scary. There's so much like, there's anger so much, every- in the world. Yeah. Everybody's angry. No matter where you go, you see. I I drive. I see people screaming at each other all the time. There's an undercurrent of anger underneath everything that happens today. There's an, an entire segment of the population that cannot wait to be offended by something. Yeah, it's really weird. It's very hard for comedians who talk about questionable things. Yeah. You know, again, I, I stay away from... I mean, I, I had a Chinese girlfriend for a long time, so I do some jokes about Chinese stuff and all, yeah. but lately I haven't even been doing that. I don't like controversy. I yeah. don't like... I'm not one of those people who, who wants to get up on stage and debate with people about what you can say and what you can't say. I just talk about things that I think are funny. Yeah. But, you know, I had Yanis Papas came on as my guest when I was on Sirius XM. And, you know, he's Greek and he does Greek characters like Mr. Panos and stuff. And he said he, he received death threats. Bobby's Greek. Well, he said he received death threats from the Greek community. Because of that, I mean that's out of hand. What's wrong? You can't... Uncle Pano, okay? So, well, what's wrong with your people, man? Why? What's wrong with them? In reference to what? Well, they're giving the guy death threats. They don't understand comedy. What's up? People can be very oversensitive these days. I did. Well, a, I did an old Greek show. Do you know Greg Kritikos? Yes. He calls himself Greg the Greek. 
And he's a guy who, who really transformed his life also. He lost over 100 pounds, and, which is incredibly hard to do, without surgery. Yeah. And he produces a lot of comedy shows. And we did a show uh, in Astoria, because there's a very big Greek population there. And I was working with a Astoria, guy, Greek? No. I was working with a guy named George, and I called out George, and everyone turned around. Uh, <laughs> the entire audience turned. Everyone's name was George. It was amazing. I, it was a great time, though. I was uh, up early a couple of days ago, and I was flipping around on the channels, and um, I stumbled upon an old episode of All in the Family. Yeah. And... Talk about that show would never fucking fly these days. No, it was a lot like of shows, uh, but it was just and this was on TV on you know on a network that was huge. It had the biggest ratings in the world, and the episode was uh, I guess uh, Archie was and again this is coming from a TV show, not from my mouth, people. Okay, but I'm telling you, this is an actual episode of um, All in the Family where I guess they had uh, their their lodge. It was called the Kings of Queens. It was like it was all male lodge and. They they were getting protested because they were they were saying that they were bigots because there was just all white men in there, and um, Archie said he had a friend at work that could help the situation. He said um, this black guy. He goes, okay, what about the black guy? And he goes, well, just get this. It's a, I can kill two birds with one stone. He goes, he's black and he's Jewish, a real two time loser. And I went. <laughs> What? I was like, <laughs> oh my God. They really said that on network TV. Oh, he's black and he's Jewish, a real two-time loser. I was like, holy that fucking was crap. was Lear, and it was considered a groundbreaking show. Well, and time, it was also you know? Carol O'Connor. Meathead, you know, uh, Rob, what was Reiner. his name? Rob Reiner. They were supposedly breaking ground by exposing, by making fun of a bigot. Yeah. Making him look stupid. That's, that's what, that, that was Carol O'Connor's point. Yeah, exactly. But these days, yeah, I mean, it's it's really very strange out there in the comedy world. There are people who take a chance and say things on stage, and then you know the audience is like, ooh, ah, you know that. Yeah. But people don't. You have to give them permission to laugh. And there are comedians who are like, you know, take it easy. You're in a comedy club. Look at the sign. It says comedy. Yeah. If you're offended, just think that maybe it's just a joke that I'm telling. You know. When when Sherrod was first starting out. Um, like he lived down the block. Him and Rachel Feinstein were roommates. They lived down the block from the restaurant, Brunelli's. I, I always bring up. Always comes back to oh, Brunelli's. I remember it's so Brunelli's. Fun. That yeah. was a fun place. Yeah. I didn't know they lived uptown. In they, those yeah, days? they lived down the block. So you know they were still. They were just starting out. They were. You know, it was like twenty years ago, and. Um, so Rush is that how long ago Brunelli's yeah, was? Oh yeah, my God, I almost, used to go there twenty 19, years ago. You know, huh. I was the bartender there for the whole time, the ten years. You know, so. Um, Rachel and, and Sherrod would always come and hang out at the bar and Russ always took very good care of them. And he knew, he knew they were struggling and they were starting out in the business and he'd always throw them some food or whatever. So they, we came up with the idea we're going to do comedy night at Brunelli's. Mm -hmm. And now Brunelli's is, was a notorious mafia place. <laughs> you yeah, know, it was so, on like York Avenue yeah, in the 70, 70s, 75th in York. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so Sherrod and Rachel hosted this and they got a couple of their friends that were all becoming, and it wasn't a big place. It only held like 70 people. So, um, by the third night, somebody had a gun in the, some comedian's mouth and that was the end of the comedy night at Brunelli's. <laughs> yeah, I know. There was a lot of people that do not have a sense of humor. No, he, he, there put, were like, stories he, he like dragged them off stage and brought him in the back and put a gun in his mouth. Because he said something like, about his girlfriend or something. Yeah, I know. I don't do crowd work because you never know who you're going to pick yeah. up. But there were stories like that back to Frank Sinatra's time 
where he would make remarks or some there were f famous comedians who've gotten dragged off stage and threatened that maybe Shecky Green had a story like that yeah a lot of people uh, you got to be very careful what you say there are some people who do not have a sense of humor yeah you can't do crowd work no he the, the, the guy that got the gun um, the week before he pissed off the wait the waiter was gay or something and he said something and uh, the waiter sh like snapped back at him and he goes, shut the fuck up. Huh? We're going to be stitching your name on a quilt in, a, in two months anyway. So I'm like, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. That was the guy, the guy, that, that's the guy that got the gun in his mouth. <laughs> it's very, very tricky. Yeah. Very tricky. So have you ever had to change any of your thoughts to overcome obstacles? Talking about my book again. I want to I yeah. ask you if you can relate to that, having to change the way you think in order to accomplish something in your life. Oh, I'm sort of doing that right now. Tell me about it. Well, I just, I just, you know, I, I've, uh, I've uh, been out of work for a bit, and you know, it's just like I, you know, I'm uh, constantly applying for jobs and everything like that, and this is the only thing that seems to be working for me, and I'm changing everything to make this work for me. Well, you're very good at what you do, and sometimes what happens is when you find your true path, supposedly the 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 universe will support you in that. So people well, it try is. Like, a lot I find of different people things. like you on my show. Well, thank you, but. Um, a lot of us try a lot of different things that don't work. You know, we go in, because we use our intuition. We get these thoughts, and a lot, a lot of times our thoughts aren't valid, and we tell ourselves this is what we're supposed to be doing, but the universe has another plan. And then you find yourself, like, I always use Mark Marin as an example. Mark was supposedly in a big depression, and then he came up with uh, WTF, the podcast. It blew up. I, I was at, I think his first show was uh, Scorching the Earth when his marriage broke up and I knew his ex-wife and he took it very hard and he did this show and I was in the audience, I think it was at the Bleecker Street Theater and he was so honest, beyond honest, that I was embarrassed for the things that he was saying. I was like, how can anybody expose themselves like that on stage? And then he went to L.A. and he created this show in his garage, and it it's a monster hit. Yeah, it's it's one a of the top hit. ones. Him and Joe Rogan, they're like, uh, they're up there. They that's where I strive to be. That's where I got to be. Well, exactly, and that's a good thought, and that's how to say it. That's where I got to be, because when you put that intention out to the universe, there's a thing they call manifestation. How you can manifest things in your life. Wayne Dyer used to talk a lot about that. And I had the honor of being on the radio with him once to okay. uh, promote one of his new books. And it's, they say that if your intention is strong, you put the intention out from your heart, you put that intention out to the universe, you can make things happen. But you have to really want it with all your heart and you have to believe in it. And those are hard to do sometimes, but that's why I give you credit for working well, so hard. Thank you very much. Because you're good on the radio. I... I, I Love you for that. Thank you so much, everybody. Jeffrey Gorian, healing your heart by changing your mind, a spiritual, humorous approach to achieving happiness. And when you're depressed during the holidays and you got all, you know, you, you want to know about why they're, they're celebrating any type of holiday, you can go to Holiday Hilarity. It's a humorous history of celebration where you can find out why this Christmas, why I have to go out and spend $8 on a fucking Valentine's Day card. <laughs> fucking hate Valentine's Day. 
stupidest <laughs> fucking thing. It has nothing to do with religion. It's just Simpsons. They fucking, they did a spoof on this whole thing because there's this really big gap for trying to say from Father's Day to Thanksgiving. And they, they, the, that's why the Simpsons is so brilliant in so many different ways. So the, the whole thing was, it was called Love Day. Cause like the, the, the show starts out with a bunch of executives sitting there going, look at the chart. We, we, we got to figure, we got to figure another holiday in here to keep some money going, you know? So, well, you know, nobody wanted Father's Day at first. <coughs> Mother's Day was very popular. This woman named Anna Jarvis, I think was her name. And she created Mother's Day. And then she was very depressed towards the end of her life. Yeah, uh, Ann Jarvis started Mother's Day in 1908, right, to honor her own mother. But it got so out of control with commercialization that she she tried to get the holiday canceled. She actually tried to get the government to cancel the holiday, and she went into a restaurant and ordered a Mother's Day salad and dumped it on the floor in protest as an older woman. I'm, I'm sure she didn't even leave a tip. But when Father's Day came around, nobody wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> because fathers are like second, uh, yeah, well, second well, class citizens. Every, every, your mother's a special thing in your life. Your father. People, yeah, I, I get that. People take fathers for granted, and fathers were ticked off because they felt like they were paying for their own gifts. Yeah. It was just an yeah, extra. Well, it's true. It was an extra, <laughs> Back then, yeah, sure. It was an extra expense for them. And, you know, the stores wanted it because it started... During the Depression, they were hoping that Father's Day would catch on so people would go out and shop because everybody was going out of business. Yeah. So it was just interesting that everybody wanted Mother's Day, but nobody wanted Father's Day. Well, yeah, if you want to find out a little more about all these holidays, pick up Jeffrey's book on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I have some people I have to thank right now. First, I'd like to thank Pro Media for some, for, um, just, uh, what's that? Yeah, Gotcha. Thank you, Bobby. Um, I want to thank ProMedia for providing this wonderful facility to do my podcast here. If you want to do a podcast, you contact Chad at ProMedia, and you can do a podcast. If I could do a podcast, you could do a podcast. Um, the staff here is extremely professional, and they're very, very on point with all the latest technology. Um, the new room is going to be up. You could actually come here and record yourself um, on video. Um, we want to thank Vorsteiner Beer for being our sponsor. They're some of my... I, I've, They've brought myself back into drinking beer again. I've lost my taste for beer, and since they were providing the beer here for the aftershock show, I am now craving the D the, the Warsteiner Pilsner. Um, it gives you a nice buzz at six point two percent alcohol, and it's so light and crisp when you drink it. It doesn't feel like you're drinking like a heavy beer, like a, a Heineken or anything like that. Um, we got the DCL firm. Um, you want to contact the, the DCL firm if you have a problem getting money back from an, uh, an organization or anybody. For for that matter, the DCL firm are a bunch of pit bulls. They will go after them. You contact. Uh, you can go to dcltestimonials.com, and uh, you can uh, also F Sharp uh, Tax Group. Uh, Richard Prinzi is my um, he's my accountant, and he's got me out of tax problems that I was having. And he is amazing. You want to go get uh, go to F Sharp Tax Group, and you will get the best tax people on your case that is in the country. They will fix anything you got wrong with that. And uh, we got Pro Media, and uh, I'd like to thank Munger, Munger Music, uh, My World, for providing all the music content for the show. Did I miss anybody, Bobby? That's pretty much everybody, right? That's everybody. All right, everybody. Thank you. Great show, Mr. Jeffrey Gorian. Thanks for coming on, and I'll talk Thanks to everybody. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Talk to everybody later.